It's an incredible privilege for me and my family to call Moncton Wesleyan home, although I must readily confess that uh, I'm hardly ever here because of uh, other opportunities that I have, as Pastor Joel said, to serve our uh, greater Atlantic tribe, some 10,000 strong that are worshiping with you all over the uh, Atlantic provinces and the state of Maine. Our family loves the people here, we love the staff, we love the leaders, and we are in love with your new lead pastoral couple. Amen. You know, the future is bright and I couldn't feel, oh, amen, sister, come on down. I knew somebody would make it to the altar. Hallelujah. Have you started to preach yet? Um, I, I have now. <laughs> Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Let's hear for Shirley Irving. Come on now. <laughs> I, I think she could even make a mute preach. She's amazing. She's an amazing woman. I know, I know, I, it's, it's my own fault, but you keep it coming, sister, you keep it coming. Uh, Ellen and I went out for dinner on Friday night with uh, Pastor Joel and Tracy, and we had a wonderful few hours together, and it was great to hear in a very sincere uh, and enjoyable way that you would in that kind of a setting, uh, just how much they love this church and how much they are loving it here in Moncton. And uh, we are so excited to have them here, so excited. Uh, they are a first-class kingdom couple, and it's a huge honor for me to be here today to lead in your official installation as pastor. And so, uh, per your request, I will set aside any, any sacred and secret stories from our past uh, so that both of us can keep our jobs. And uh, we'll, t we'll try to at least give the appearance of having matured some 20 years later. Uh, this, if you are new here to Moncton Westland, um, uh, this is going to be a little bit uh, of an unusual uh, Sunday, because at the conclusion of the message, it will be my privilege as district superintendent to lead in what we call an installation service, which is really the bookend of the pastoral transition that you've just been through, officially commissioning Pastor Joel as your new pastor. And uh, we're really glad you're here today, but don't worry. You won't have to listen to me every week if you come back. Please come back. Pastor Joel is an amazing preacher, and he's got a great staff, and uh, you will want to come back and check out how God is working through this great, great church. You know, some of you were present, I think, uh, just over a year ago when uh, Pastor Tim was on vacation, and he asked me to preach. And um, I can tell who was there because some of you are already laughing. Um, <laughs> As you may recall, uh, I thought I'd have a little fun at the beginning of the message, and I asked everybody to take out their cell phones, and I gave you Pastor Tim's personal cell phone number. And then all at once, we texted him a word of encouragement while he was on vacation. What I wasn't able to tell you that day is that when the message was over and I was out in the, in the foyer visiting with people, uh, I checked my phone, and there was a text from Pastor Tim, and, and he said, dude, what did you just do? We were driving through Montreal, and my phone blew up. I got 175 texts in five minutes. 
I don't want to gossip, but I've been a little bitter since that day. Is Tia Bailey here today? Dude, listen, man, I just need to confess in front of our whole church family that I've been harboring bitterness in my heart against you because, and I'm going to get a little emotional here. Do you know what he texted to Pastor Tim? He said, Tim, I love you, man, but you really got to do reference checks on your guest speakers. <laughs> oh, man. And apparently Pastor Joel heard about that because the first thing he told me was, you're not getting my cell phone until after you preach, and you're never preaching for me when I'm on vacation. So actually, he may not have said that. So, uh, you know, today is going to be a unique and beautiful time for you as a church family to launch into another church year as we bookend this pastoral transition. And I can sense it in this place. We are beginning a new and promising season of kingdom impact, amen? And Joel, from the very first moment your name was discussed as a possible successor in leadership of this great church, my heart leapt with excitement. And then when I was present that night, you received an historic unanimous vote from a packed crowd across the way. There was a palpable sense of kingdom momentum that blew into the sails of our church family, and we couldn't be more pleased and proud to have you, sir, at the captain's wheel of this great church. I don't know where he's taking us yet, but I can't wait to get there. And hopefully I'll be around a little bit to, to watch and, and enjoy and cheer that on. Well, today also launches our September sermon series, which I'm very privileged and honored to be asked uh, to participate in. And I couldn't have been given a better assignment in the topic they asked me to speak on. This is an area of passion for me as a kingdom under shepherd. I love everything about biblical community. You see, God hasn't just called us into his great cause of making disciples. He's called us to belong to his great body, to connect as we live together. So let's get to it. I want you all, if you would, to stand with me as I read a few thoughts from a letter written to the Hebrews in the 10th chapter. Beginning of verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Lord, I thank you for these good people. I thank you for this great new leader to us. And most of all, we thank you for being such a gracious God to allow us to be together for purposes that you have planned in advance that will bring you glory. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And Shirley said, hallelujah. And you may be seated. <laughs> Three simple truths from this passage will remind us of what it looks like to connect as we live together. Here's the first one. We hold on together in our hope. We hold on together in our hope. How many of you have ever driven 200 kilometers in one day on a 10-speed bike? All right, I don't see any hands up. Um, that's what eight of my buddies and I did one day in 1987. We were in high school 
and I looked a little slimmer than I do now and had a little more energy to uh, accomplish such a task. And our district, as many of you would remember, had just purchased Caton's Island, which now has a 30-year history, and God is using that in amazing ways, and many of you have been a big part of that history. And so uh, my buddies and I decided that we would do a bike-a-thon to raise money to help pay off the mortgage on the island that we purchased. Uh, we purchased it from the Catholic Church, and it had been being used as a retreat for priests. And they, uh, understanding that we were going to continue to use it for ministry purposes, uh, we were very grateful to the Catholic Church. They gave us an amazing deal. We paid $300,000 for a 120-acre island with many buildings on it. It's incredible, a wonderful partnership in the kingdom. And, and yet we were still paying it off, and it seemed like a lot of money at the time. And so we drove up to Perth Andover in a van with all our bikes loaded on and got up early the next morning, and we headed back to Fredericton on our 10 speeds. It was a long day. But the best part about that experience was how it pulled us all closer together as friends. When, when one of us would get a flat tire, everyone would stop and make sure it was patched up before we went on. When one of us just couldn't go up another hill and needed a rest, we all stopped to take a breather together. If someone was up front and started to slow down or, or say things like, well, maybe I'll just put my van in the bike, guys, and, 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 and I'll just ride this one out. We would encourage each other. We'd give each other prep talks and, and keep each other moving forward. Quitting was not an option. And that day reminds me of how the body of Christ is supposed to be that we take on the hills and challenges of life together, not in a relationship vacuum, but with a sense of connection. We hold on tightly together in our hope without wavering. Quitting church is not an option, amen? I love how Jennifer Lane captures this truth. As the church, we are in community, trying, uh, together trying to fulfill this great commission that Jesus left us with. As we gently press into each other, we form one united thing, his church. As we work together, sharing the space God gives us to do his work, we all become shaped a little different. We all become a little more like him. You see, true connection is found in, in all the things that we do and say to help each other finish the race for Christ. You, know, you can make it. Don't give up. Keep going. You're almost there. Hold on. That's the rule as members of a Christian community, members of the body of Christ that we have to, to refresh one another, to catch one another when we fall, to bandage up the wounds, to renew one another's focus on Christ. In this race, there are no spectators. We are all running and at the same time, we're helping one another to run. That's connecting as we live together. It's absolutely essential to our spiritual growth and health and it is absolutely essential in our ability to persevere in our faith. Which leads to our next truth. We not only hold on together in a way that shapes us into Christ's image, but secondly, we spur on together in our love. You know, Pastor Joel was bragging over supper on Friday night about Pastor Nathan. And uh, we're so thankful, aren't we, to have a leader of his capacity with an equal passion to spur us on to acts of love and good works. And uh, as amazing as he is, and if you don't know he's amazing, just ask him. He will tell you how amazing he is. As amazing he is, uh, Pastor Nathan can't do it alone. 
We need to connect as we live together by spurring one another on to show the love of Christ to this city and to the world. Some of you might be wondering what you have to contribute. So let's put that to rest right now. There's a meaningful role everyone can play in showing Christ's love for others through good works. It's not in the size of your impact. It's in the heart of your service. It's not in the size of your impact. It's in the heart of your service. As Mother Teresa so beautifully said, there are no great acts, only small acts done with great love. One day a Sunday school teacher decided to uh, pull out an old uh, little rhyme and illustration as she was teaching and she just spontaneously said, uh, you know, here's a little thing, kids. Uh, Put your hands together and say, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, You guys know it, open the doors and there's all the people. What she had forgotten in her spontaneous teaching method was that there was one boy in the class who was physically challenged who had had one of his arms amputated. And before she could say anything, the little boy that was sitting next to him leaned over and said, let's do it together. And they joined opposite hands and they completed the little rhyme. That's the church, folks. That's the way we should always do the hand motions for that little rhyme because the church is never done alone. It is made up of people interconnected by small acts done with great love in an interdependent relationship with Christ. Oh, that God would find us to be such a church. Wouldn't that be amazing if every time God looked down on who we were together, That's what he saw, and I know he sees it many, many times. A church that spurs one another on with a love like that. It was C.S. Lewis who said, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. So here's the litmus test of whether or not you, in fact, value connecting as we live together in the body of Christ. It's a question. And you can answer it. Don't answer it out loud. Answer it in your own spirit as you hear this question. Simple question. How often on any given week do I get together with others with a spiritual purpose in mind? How often on any given week do I get together with others with a spiritual purpose in mind? You see, there's something about not just believing in Christ, but actively choosing to belong to his body. There's something about that kind of togetherness that pushes us as believers beyond our own comfort zone. We are spurred on and stirred up to love others through the strength God gives us. We're also more likely to accomplish greater good works in both quality and quantity in the kingdom of God and for the glory of God when we connect as we live together. Our final insight from this passage. What does it look like to connect as we live together? Here it is. We cheer on together in our worship. And we've been doing that this morning. Uh, love Pastor Mark and his team and how they lead us and all the support that goes into making that possible. Church, Hebrews 10.25 is crystal clear. We don't preach on this every Sunday, but let's camp there for a moment. God calls us, it is not an option, 
to a regular habit of getting together with the body of Christ. And while that definitely includes making Sunday worship the highest priority for you and your family every week, and I'm obviously preaching to the choir because you're here, it's more about your attitude of belonging to the body of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about about taking a weekend now and then to get away with the family. What this verse condemns is a laissez-faire attitude to regular contact with other believers. An attitude that says, yeah, you know, I can take them or leave them. God knows my heart's in the right place. And besides, most of them are hypocrites anyway. Don't look around, Tia. They might be looking at you. Just saying. Um, Are any of you professional bodyguards? Because I'm wondering if I could hire you to accompany me immediately following this message to my vehicle. Um, (laughs) Yesterday was a huge day for our ministerial tribe. It's huge. As many of you are already aware, early on Wednesday morning, our former district superintendent, Reverend David Wesley Leroy, was promoted to his final post in heaven. And most of you here today remember fondly his years of leadership in our tribe. And the Saunders Irving Chapel at Kingswood University was nearly full as we all gathered to celebrate his life and show loving support to the family. Many great and true things were said about Dave and all the ways that he spoke into so many people's lives was a common theme that was expressed. His former executive pastor of 10 years, Paul Perino at a megachurch in Western New York, described him by quoting John Ortberg, who wrote these words. There are people who sit in the balcony of your life, watching you run your divine race, and they cheer you on. They exhort you, they celebrate you, they invest you, they speak life-giving words, they breathe life into you, and they remind you what a good God our God is. That, Ortberg says, is what people builders look like. And that's who David Leroy was, and we're all richer because of that. You know, I've always appreciated the way Pastor B has so powerfully modeled what it means to cheer on the body of Christ. He's not here today. He's on his way to a ministry assignment in Perth Andover, but I, I would just want to thank him, even in his absence, for showing us what it looks like for all the thoughtful and selfless ways that he's very specific in lifting people up over and over again to show us what it looks like when we connect as we live together. And I know this 100%. Pastor Joel has no greater cheerleader than Pastor B. And that is a great blessing to him. And I know he celebrates that in his life. One of the great new expressions of this truth at Moncton Wesleyan has also been the spiritual growth that many have experienced through Celebrate Recovery. Many of you who are here today know people who are, uh, have been through or are now part of that program. Some of you are part of that. It's an incredible ministry here at the church. And I wanna thank all of you who lead in this amazing ministry of transformation. It was Larry Crabb, uh, a great Christian psychologist who so aptly pointed out We, he said, have made a terrible mistake. For most of the 20th century, we wrongly defined soul wounds as psychological disorders and delegated their treatment to trained specialists. Damaged psyches, he says, aren't the problem. The problem is disconnected souls. 
What we need is connection. We need a healing community. Henry David Thoreau once wrote that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. God commands us as his body to connect as we live together so that those leading quiet lives of desperation can find freedom. And we get to be Jesus to one another by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. It's a beautiful thing. Don't miss out. Make connecting with your church family a weekly priority and you will reap enormous benefits as you are a blessing to others. So church, as we launch into this new day of kingdom leadership and this new year for our church family, what does it look like for us to connect as we live together? We hold on together in our hope. We spur on together in our love. We cheer on together in our worship. I'm gonna ask Pastor Mark and the worship team if they would come back at this time. And Pastor Joel and Tracy are already up here, but if you are uh, serving on the local board of administration of the church, I'd also ask if there's a number of seats down here in the front. I'd ask if during the song that, that Pastor Mark and the team are about to lead us in, I would ask if you would just come out of your seats and come and sit down here in the front. And in a few moments, I'll call you forward for the service of installation. You know, most people uh, leave this world the same way they came in. Bald, naked, and toothless. Uh, but we can all leave this world with one thing we don't have when we come in. You know what that is? A deep connection with the body of Christ that will last for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Being committed to connect as we live together will take time and work and a willingness to take some risks. Connection isn't always fun or easy, but we need it desperately, and we need each other. Because we need Christ, and Christ comes to us through one another. So let's show our city that the church is more than just a social club with a spiritual twist. Let's show our community that the church is a place with real relationships and real love where real life change is taking place. That kind of connection, my friends, is irresistible. I love the way Ephesians 2.19 is worded in the Living Bible. You are members of God, his very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. It was Devon Huss who said, a church needs to be a place where discouraged folks cheer up, dishonest folks fess up, sour folks sweeten up, closed folk open up, gossipers shut up, conflicted folks make up, sleeping folks wake up, lukewarm folk fire up, dry bones shake up, and pew potatoes stand up. But most of all, the church needs to be a place where Christ the savior of the entire world is lifted up. And so, Pastor Joel, as you lead us into this new day, church, let's hold on, spur on, and cheer on in our connection as we live together. Amen, let's stand.